I thought I was all alone here, and suddenly I look out there, and there's a bunch of people. All right. Hey, we're all here this morning. If we're not here right now, we came in the earlier service. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We Busy. Anybody been busy around here? We, uh, we had a great weekend uh, with our, our Dream Team Summit, <clears throat> and to sum it all up, uh, we uh, just had a time of motivation, a lot of eating, and, uh, and, and, and eating, <laughs> and eating and motivation, and, uh, and we finished last night with uh, like a picnic out at uh, Twin Creeks in Central Point. Very, very nice. And I had the opportunity to... to uh, be with uh, my grandson Wesley, and so uh, he was eating uh, esquites, you know, we had Mexican corn, he was eating the nachos, he was eating the lawn, and, uh, <laughs> and then Dana Jackson came by, and, and being an artist, she, she couldn't leave well enough to know alone, so she was putting a blade of grass between each of his toes, and uh, which now I know what Dana does on her off days up in Prospect, she's putting... <laughs> Uh, pine cones between her toes and things. Then uh, I came home last night, and, and after we got everything back to the church that we needed to get back, and just a, just a real thank you to Robert and Christine for their labor. Christine made five gallons of salsa, and I thought, oh, this is brain damage. No way is this gone. It was nearly all gone. You pigs. Anyway... We had a great time. It was great salsa, and it's really fun. Uh, it's fun when you work with people who they're doing their dream. And so I was telling Kim, I said, you know, the Susas are fun to cook with. They, they, they're like you. They're good cooks and fast. I'm probably a good cook, but it'd take you like a week to get an omelet from me, you know, so... <laughs> So you wouldn't want that. So it was great. We just had a wonderful time. And, and the interns did such a great job of just packing and stacking and moving things. And it was very good. So then I came home. And uh, was very, very happy to hear the Ducks had, like, fallen on top of uh, Nevada. Uh, by beating by 71 points. That would be a bad day for the Nevada team, right? We've had those uh, when USC has done that to us. But anyway, so... Then I'm going to root for the Beavers, and they, they were starting at 6 o'clock Hawaii time, which is 9 o'clock uh, Pacific time. So uh, it was actually a football game, first time I've ever done this, watched a football game on Facebook watch. So those of you who think there's nothing meritorious about Facebook, well, there's one. They actually show football. So, uh, <laughs> so I ended up... I'm exhausted. I have nothing to say is what I'm trying to tell you. Is <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun. And the reason that I wanted to start with uh, just t- telling you about football, in case you haven't noticed, uh, all of you, you ladies, uh, you may be sports widows for the next few months because your guy likes football, and it's all football all the time. And, uh, and, and I don't believe in that. I believe in, in finishing out with baseball as well with the World Series. <laughs> And then, then it's all football all the time. But, you know, one of the things in football that, that is, is unique to American football, because I don't know of any other sport that does this, is called the huddle. 
Try to tell people who, who play soccer, you know, football, uh, soccer, or, you know, British people, oh, let's play some football. But only in American football do they, between the plays, they get in a circle and they huddle up. And they, you know, they're, they're in there talking. Have you ever watched a football game and wonder, what are those guys talking about? It could it be stuff like, hey guys, how about Chick-fil-A after the game? <laughs> now we are getting a Chick-fil-A here. Which tells you that God has favored Medford. <laughs> Not only do we have Chick-fil-A and Cracker Barrel and In-N-Out Burger. I mean, come on now. And Tortaloka, God has visited Medford. So what are those guys talking about in the huddle? So maybe not Chick-fil-A after the game. Are they talking about their hair or nails? Now, we know one guy was in the huddle talking about his hair, and that was Troy Polamalu from, from the Steelers. He, had that, he was actually raised up here in Roseburg, and Troy was just like, most beautiful hair in the NFL. And so he may have been talking about his hair, and Tom Brady was talking about his nails. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But the way that you actually find out what those guys are yapping about in the huddle is the next play. That's how you can tell what they talked about. So when I see a, a, a team, you know, and they're, they're uh, working from the shotgun position and that quarterback gets the ball and he starts to scan the field and I see guys cutting in their patterns and he delivers a pass, whether it's completed or not, they, they attempted to play. And you know what was called by what happens after they break the huddle. A lot of people don't give a lot of thought about the time from the um, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But there was an opportunity for Jesus to huddle up with his guys and give them a play. The Bible, the Bible says that Jesus uh, spent 40 days with his disciples after his resurrection. I don't think he was talking about Chick-fil-A. I don't think he was talking about their hair and nails. I think he was trying to really hone them with what to do, how to be God's house, how to be uh, a community where people can come in and find life spiritually. How about being a community where people can come in and just find life I mean, how many of you found out that once you receive Jesus Christ, there's other issues in your life? Maybe, maybe your personality, you're a Christian now, but you're a Christianity that's nasty. No one wants to be around you. Sister Lemon, Brother Persimmon, you know? <laughs> Come on now. I have learned so much in God's house. God's house for me was a place where not only did I grow spiritually, but I grew intellectually. And I grew, you may not think much of my intellect, but you should see me before I started. And I've grown culturally. God's house is just an amazing thing. Jesus, I think, was giving these guys plans. Scripture really uh, bears that out. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says in the first book, O Theophilus, this is Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And Theophilus is the Greek word which means lover of God. 
And so scholars don't know if there was an actual guy called lover of God or if lover of God just meant this epistle is for whoever reads it and loves God. I'm going to give you instructions on what happened when, when, when Jesus was with us and when he empowered us to be the church. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, think, think about this. Jesus is doing what can be very troubling about Jesus. How many have found out that, that you know, we, we, we tell you God loves you the way you are? God loves you the way you are, kind of like a woman marries a man. My wife married me just as I are, so I wouldn't stay there. She married me and threw away my, all my lifetime uh, warranty shoes, mason shoes from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. They got in the trash bin because I was too amazing, too hunky. And all of my Oregon lumberjack clothing disappeared with time. I'll tell you, wearing silk underwear bothers me. You know what I'm saying? It bothers me. So, so a woman marries a man knowing that, that she's going to help change him. And God takes you on, and Jesus has a nasty habit of giving commands. Like, like how many have heard of the Ten Commandments? Not the Ten Suggestments. The Ten Commandments. And Jesus was with these guys for 40 days and he's talking to them about the kingdom, which the kingdom is the thing you can't see. You can see a congregation. You can see people in distress that we can minister to. But the kingdom of God comes without observation. The kingdom is that spiritual component that God brings into the life of people, first in conviction, then in salvation, and then in growing obedience. And so the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. It blows in on somebody, but you can see the fruit because they change. And so Jesus was going to talk to them not only about the wine, about the spiritual life that he was going to send them, but he was talking to them about their wineskin. How many of you know if you, have, if you bring milk home from the, from the, the store, uh, a brown paper bag is not a good instrument? Children will try it. There's a reason that that milk comes back in, formerly it was glass, glass bottles, and then it, it comes in plastic because that plastic can hold the milk, the liquid. And so what Jesus teaches us is how to hold our water, how to be able to embrace the kingdom of God in, in certain structures and fashions that actually work. That's what I believe Seeing what the apostles did, I believe that's what Jesus was talking to them. 
Peter, James, and John, and, and, and all y'all, you know, I'm going to leave you, and I'm going to send the comforter, and it'll be good that I leave, that he can come. And, and, and after I'm gone, guess what? This faith is going to spread. And there's certain things y'all are going to need to do if you're serious about the growth of the kingdom. Which is really weird because how many of you want the kingdom of God to come to the earth? Okay. It's so beautiful to have a third of you wanting the kingdom of God. The other two thirds, you're just was hoping that you got more free popcorn here. Sorry. Wait till July and it'll be back. Okay. We'll make fresh for you then. <laughs> But our behaviors and how we gather together actually enhances or detracts from the kingdom spreading in a community. Now, think about what Jesus did. Tomorrow I'm going to be getting on an airplane and flying to Los Angeles. And then the next day I'll be flying to Boston, then to Tel Aviv. First time in my life I've ever been to Israel. Now, air flight's pretty cool. I mean, think about, as opposed to hitchhiking to Israel, I hate having to go that way, you know? Um, so flying is, is, is amazing. But think about Jesus ascending. Talk about an impressive flight. I'd actually rather than, than sit in those little chairs. Johnny's a great flyer. I hate flying with him. He goes to sleep. We can be on a 14-hour flight. He'll go to sleep, and he has a sensor that knows when the food truck's coming down. And he'll wake up, hi, Dad, did you sleep? No, you can salute my eyes. They're red, white, and blue. They're bloodshot, and I'm mean and angry. And I've had those people coming up and bringing me water for three hours straight. And I'm all bound up like a demon-possessed man in a chair. Oh, that's too bad, Dad. I hope, Lord, Lord bless you. He'll eat his food, and he's asleep. And then 10 minutes before we land in San Francisco, oh, wow, it's just like no time passed. For you, it didn't. For you, it didn't. I don't ever want to leave Medford. Really, just, just give me vacation slides. So the ascending thing actually appeals to me. And so we, we, we continue on in Acts 1 and we see that after Jesus said, I want you guys to be baptized with a baptism of power because Christianity is not about the groovy feeling that you get. It's about the empowerment to join the family business, to actually extend the kingdom. It's not about being in the huddle to talk about your hair and nails. It's about being in the huddle to understand what's the play we need to play to make sure we're moving, we're moving the ball down the field. We're moving this thing forward. And so Jesus had said, I want you to wait, and you're going to be empowered in Acts 2, of course, for all of us Pentecostal people. is such a beautiful picture of when the power was poured out and, you know, uh, with cloven tongues of fire. And all that, and they began to speak in other tongues and glorify God, and all these people heard it in their own language. It was a beautiful miracle. But even out of that, power was distributed through the, the people. And it's being distributed through God's people all over the world, expanding the kingdom of God. But look at, at what happened before that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verses 6. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will make a lot of noise in special charismatic meetings. Oh no, that's not what it says, is it? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You're going to be deputized. You're, you're going you're gonna to go plant churches. You're going to make a difference in people's lives. You're not going to tell them you love them, but you have no time. Oh gosh. I shouldn't have eaten that donut hole before I got up here. He said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, I like the word gaze. How many of you are gazers like, golly, <laughs> that's amazing. I'd have been just like them, just <laughs> Because I even do that for helium balloons when they go way up in the air. <laughs> then the nature muffins hunt me down to hurt me for that. You've destroyed the, the, the atmosphere. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. I think these two white robed men could be angels, Right? And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Why are you guys wasting company time by gazing? This wasn't the event. This is the prelude to power to go pull the playoff that Jesus gave us. Now, I'm really thinking that, see, the resurrection, resurrection was kind of like after the fact. I mean, could you imagine if all of the, the uh, surviving uh, apostles, Judas, had hung himself? So if all 11 were like standing around where the, the, the rock was, and all of a sudden you just, Oof, and like energy and light comes out from under the rock. Whoa! Next thing you hear a knock, let me out! Now, that would have been cool, right? You could sell tickets for that. But the way it actually happened was it was kind of a private thing. Jesus just resurrects, folds his clothes, and leaves them, and the doors rolled away. And that's, that's amazing. Trust me, that's the most significant tomb experience ever. But the ascension, that's one where, you know, hey, uh, guys, you know, Go into all the world and preach the gospel and all power has been given unto me. Go preach, baptize, commanding them to do everything. Like, here's your job. Just go tell everybody to do everything. Sounds like parenting. <laughs> it is parenting, isn't it? That's what discipleship is. It's telling each other, do everything. Oh, my life screwed up. I don't know what's wrong. I really love Jesus. Because that's only one thing. Loving Jesus is only part of what it means. How do you love him? You're going to have to do a lot of things to really love God. Rather than just feel it deep in your heart with no action. And so Jesus has given him this, this huddle up talk. Hey guys, all power is given unto me. 
You can cast out demons. Mark, Mark 16, uh, Matthew 28. He gives him his, the last talk. And he goes, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Uh, there's that cloud way up there. Mm. And then suddenly, ah, two dudes in white robes. Why are you gazing? Well, it seemed appropriate to me. <laughs> okay, leave the hill and get to work. They went down and what was their, their assignment? They were to pray until they were endued with power. Then they were to get working on what Jesus said. This is the way my house needs to look. This is what you're going to have. And we've been talking about that. We've been spending five weeks talking about this play that Jesus called. Because they came out of that huddle, and this is what the early church did, and it doesn't come with a lot of information as to why they did these things. Pretty clear the hand of Jesus was on it. And so we've been reading these, these verses. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Um, I want to give you just a historical addendum because many people say, well, in the early church, they sold everything and they had like this commune. Well, let me just tell you why it was smart and the Holy Spirit had led that group of people at that time to sell everything because that same Holy Spirit had predicted that desolation was, was, was going to come upon Jerusalem. Within about 30 some years, Titus rolls in and there was a bloodbath in Jerusalem. And the Christians had divested themselves. And they, 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 they had invested their money from their houses and things into people. And the Lord had, Jesus had prophesied in Matthew 24, when you see the eagle, flee the city immediately. And that's literally what happened when, when, when Titus who, who came and surrounded Jerusalem, they had the eagle standards of the, the Roman legions and, and, and these Christians go, the eagles have surrounded us. And they withdrew. There was a threat, I think, from Egypt or somewhere. And, and the Romans withdrew to prepare to maybe battle with the Egyptians. And the Christians said, you know, 50 ways to leave your lover. No need to discuss must. Get yourself free. Get a new plan, Stan. You know? And they all boogied out. They left the city. And when Titus came in, they wiped out Jerusalem. So all that property value, guess what it would have done? Plummeted. And so the Lord says, rather than just uh, have uh, plummeting house values, why don't you guys share it? And I believe that that, that spirit of sharing and communion uh, 
is still in, in, in the Lord's church. I see people caring that, you know, people will, will try to find, uh, maybe they find a, a little coat on sale and they, so here's someone that has a little girl that needs a coat and someone said, hey, I, I bought this. I found out that, you know, your daughter's size was this and I, I just wanted to give this to you. Um, people give each other cars in the congregation. We, 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 we give each other all kinds of things. I've got so many people over the years that would give me two, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars and say, don't let anyone know where this came from, but this needs to go to that family. Hallelujah. So the, the spirit of sharing is still very much a part. Oh, incidentally, did you know that evangelical Christians or Christians in general are the number one donors? And so when that play is called, you spring out to either block or fall back to throw a pass or, or do something, but all the parts have to be there. And this is something that's really interesting because sometimes people make church so simplistic. Well, it's just about loving each other. No, there's ways to love each other. Marriage isn't just about loving. Marriage is about you actually married a human who wants to talk. You married a human that needs nourishing and caring and being cherished. And there's nothing is that simplistic. Raising kids. Well, you just got to feed them. You need to do more than feed them. You need to hug them. You need to love them. You need to metaphorically spank them. Or maybe really spank them. Bring in Medea. It's more. There's, there's a lot that goes into the play to marriage and building a business and doing anything that's significant. And so these five parts that were working in the early church, I believe they will work in every life-giving church. And without all of these five, we're going to have a church that's not going to be balanced and growing and all the things that we would want. So uh, over the last five weeks, first theme that we dealt with was I am planted. The early church were devoted to the church. Jesus had taught Matthew 16. He had taught about the uh, universal church. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then Matthew 18, he said, when you've got a big fight going on among yourselves, then we need to you know, have the people speak to one another. And if that doesn't work, bring a witness. If that doesn't work, bring them before the elders. And here's, what, here's teeth into your ecclesiastical authority that I'm giving you. So you have the universal church and you have the local church. Well, the, uh, the uh, early believers understood we are in a completely hostile environment. The Jewish people want to kill us. The Gentiles want to get us back to the, the prostitution and the love feast and the debauchery. And so everywhere we go, if we don't huddle up, if we don't become a society within a society, we will be assimilated back into the greater society. This is going on in the Christian church today. Many, many believers, because they're so casual, they don't, they don't, they don't enforce Christianity in their family. They're, everyone's got to find their own way, which is a demonic thought. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart. I didn't give my kids an option. We will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, or I'll burn the bloody thing down. You're radical. I also win the game. 
I raised children that are radical. The thing is, we see so many Christian young people that are re-assimilated into the culture because we didn't, we didn't take that greenhouse plant and harden it off and prepare it with training. They were devoted to the church. It was we and us. It was the thought, we're better together. And I want to tell you something. We are better together. This, joy is not Steve's church. Joy is not something that I've done. You know, guests will come in and go, oh, you've done a great job. I have done a job. But I will tell you what, man, if it wasn't for the generosity of people, if it wasn't for people that long after I'm collapsed in my office in a chair and they're still cleaning things, let me say this, I love this church. I love this group of people, and if I ever got a chance to plant a church in Medford, you're all on my church plant team. Because I believe that we understand we're better together. The church isn't about me and Jesus. I got my own thing going. Anyone remember that song? Another one belched out of the, 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 the bowels of the devil. If you and Jesus got your own thing going, he's not there. Because he's singing in the midst of the brethren. Christ in y'all, the hope of glory. Every time I get all, you know, mud-faced and... You know, I'm a sauerkraut, German guy with a bad attitude. The Lord says, I love them. You, I don't know about them. I don't want to get separated from the body of Christ. Every time I find that people get separated and isolated, Proverbs 18.1, he that separates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all sound judgment. Next thing, weird doctrines come out, weird practice. I don't think God's upset about immorality like he used to be. Yeah, he's still pretty uptight. We. They were together. That was a component. Church was a family. It wasn't a restaurant. This isn't the hardware store. The hardware store wants me to come in, buy my hardware, and leave. They don't want me fellowshipping on the outside all the time. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm unannounced, but I'm here at Ace Hardware because I like Ace. Ace is your place for your helpful hardware, man. <laughs> it's like, Mr. Schmelzer, go home and fix that washing machine. Go. That's not what we do at church. Come, never leave. <laughs> Number two, we talked about prayer. I pray. The early church was devoted to prayer and word. We will hound you always. Get in the Bible. If you are looking for a Bible, buy one that says Holy Bible. They're the best. Get the Bible. Read the Bible. Don't let Aunt Bertha tell you about the Bible. You read the Bible. Get your own Bible. Get your own iPhone. How many? I, I use this all the time. Paper Bible, maybe you get the original Ten Commandments on stone. That's good. Read it. Prayer. We have prayer times here. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you to pray alone. We will equip you. In fact, we've got a whole new class that we're going to be putting on on prayer. It's going to be really good. 
Christians need to pray. The Christian church needs to still pray and be in the word. Number three, generosity. They were devoted to generosity of their resources. Okay? We teach that tithing at joy is the training wheels. When, when, when you are saying, I want to get on board, really being a, being a complete uh, pedal to the metal Christian, then tithing is where you start. New Testament giving is you, you throw all you have out in front of Jesus. You see, time and time again, Jesus would say to the rich young ruler, give me everything. Give me everything. The apostles have followed him. They left their boats. They left their tax table. Father God gave his best. Jesus gave his all. Many of the apostles gave their all when they were martyred. I will tell you this. New Testament Christianity is not trying to get people to go back to Old Testament tithing. Tithing is a trainer to take us to what it really is. I live in a, Kim and I live in a big old barn and, and, and between our guest house and our house, we're pushing 4,000 square feet. And, 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 and there's stuff to do. Fix this, fix that, blow this, do this and that. What, 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 what did the Lord tell us? He said, I want you, I want you there. I want you hosting Bible studies. I want you to make a man house, like the girl house, Kim and I, we have created uh, a dormitory for six interns to, to live at our property, six male interns. I, I don't want to be there. Can I tell you what really looks attractive to me? A condominium, three bedroom, where I put plastic flowers outside. <laughs> and the dog I have is a screensaver, and they change. Hi, that's Rufus, and this is Bozo, and this is... So why are we in the barn? How many of you have been to the barn? You've been to my house. Ate food there. We're challenged. Received training there. there. Because if I am going to be a New Testament giver, that has to be laid on the altar. And so even though it costs us more, that's part of moving towards 100% giving. And so we teach generosity. It was a generous church. One thing I'm trying to get back in people's minds, you never outgive God. All the time, we're being headhunted and stalked and blasted with goodness and mercy. He's, he's not taking our money. He multiplies it. Because if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. So that was the third one. Fourth one is I participate. Natalie taught on this. They were devoted to the generosity of your life. Sometimes it's easier to write a check than to take the time. The Good Samaritan was such a beautiful story because he not only gave his cash, but he, he personally tended the wounds and cared for the guy that was hurt. And so uh, one of the themes of this was open hands, open heart. Are we, the early church was filled with, with agape love. I want to tell you something. Uh, people, we, we get contacted with, with uh, uh, other churches. You know, why, why do you guys have such a big youth group? Well, a couple of reasons. One is because we couldn't leave the next generation abandoned. In what planet do you, like, abandon your needy? We're moved. 
you guys, you young people, I'm so mad about abortion. I'm so mad about the 40 million people that have been murdered in this country. And those of you that survived the abortioner's knife, many of you were just left to let TV be your babysitter. And out of compassion and love, you open your hands. What are you going to do about it? Years ago, I had to make a choice. Have a baby boomer church where all the money was, or do what we did. We've entered the cashless society for decades at Joy. That's why if you're new here, visitor, watch out, put your hand in your wallet and run in a hurry. We're going to get your money. Open hearts, open hands. We said this, we want a church where young people can come in. And they can find in peers, they can find Jesus. I got saved in the Jesus movement. I believe God's redoing a Jesus movement right now. I believe that we are only touching the hundreds and thousands of young people are going to be born again here. I don't think our youth revival is, is peaking. I don't even think, I think we're starting to start it. Johnny taught the fifth component, devoted to evangelism. God's heart is for the lost. He did a quote that said this, that the church is the only organization that exists for non-members. The purpose of the church is to equip us to go out and love people. Give them a fighter's chance. The Bible teaches there's some sound reasons to follow God in this way. Or number six is, is my message today. I'm well into it. I don't want you to think I'm just getting started. Number six is I commit to the mission that Christ laid out. A lot of churches are recreating new, new commandments. I don't want to. I want to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want to teach my sons in the Lord that your greatest key to survival is do all that he said. Don't be imbalanced. I'm just a spirit guy. I'm just a word guy. Don't be those. Be an all. I'm spirit. I'm word. I'm family man. I'm adjustable. I'm teachable. Not, I'm unique. I don't want to be unique. I want to be one of God's kids. I don't want to improve on it. I want to just get in on it. I commit to the mission of Jesus. How many of you are feeling that stirring in your heart? I want to do what Jesus asked us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Come up here, Drew, once again. Luke's not around. We had a bald Jesus in last service and, a, and one with hair. Drew's 31 years old. He's a beautiful man, beautiful wife, children. And when I read the Bible, I, I read it and visualize. I'm torn up about how young Jesus was when he was crucified. He was two years older than Drew. And beaten and rejected 
and whipped in a crown of thorns and stripped naked and forced to carry his own death instrument up a hill. And on there, he spread out his arms to love us in obedience to the Father. He said, it's finished, and he gave up his spirit. When I see that, it tells me something needs to change the way I live. Jesus did all that so I don't have to really be serious about God, so I can just live for myself. Jesus is here to talk about Chick-fil-A and my hair and nails. No, Jesus is here to say, you know what? You weren't redeemed with corrupt and meager things, but you are redeemed with the blood of a lamb. Incorruptible. And that's what Paul is saying here. He said, my judgment is this, that if one died for all, then we that live because of him, we should no longer just live for ourselves. He didn't say that we should never prosper. What's the purpose of your prosperity? I make better money than I ever imagined I would. I live in a house that's bigger than I ever thought I would. I pastor a church that's more beautiful than I ever thought I would. But my treasure is the one that bled for me. I can't get over him. He haunts my memories. And when I want to be selfish, I remember he died that I wouldn't live selfish. Selfishness is what got us in this mess. It's the blood of Jesus that gets us out. One last verse. In the Amplified Bible, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul wrote this, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, which is devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. I don't think that when I see people here that are all in, there are times I cry alone because I feel like a schlep as a Christian compared to what I see some of you do. Your love, your compassion, your generosity, your sacrifice. That's why I love the body. It's not like, oh, Pastor Steve motivates us all. No, 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 Pastor Steve is motivated by all. When I watch how you guys show up and I see guys show up and maybe you got your work shirt and there's some stains, but you're showing up because you got babies with you. And men of God appear at the gathering place. No excuses. This is what we do. It moves me. It moves me. I don't think you're unreasonable. I think that you saw Jesus on the cross. And it, and it made sense. If he gave all for me, I need to be able to give all for him. A fair deal is a fair deal. Questions, are you ready? Are you ready to live the kingdom life where Christ is the largest part of your life? Is he an addendum? 
yeah, I kind of let Jesus in. He was, you know, in the rain, knocking on the, the door to my heart. Mine is, mine's the rainmaker. He fills the whole universe. I'm so privileged to be saved. I think we need to give some continual energy and thought to truly live as a follower of Christ. I'm not going to ask you to jump up and say, I'll never sin again. I'll never do. I'm just going to ask you, will you and I together, will we consider that call to daily take up our cross? To daily look at my life in the mirror and go, you know what? Hair's bad, nails chewed off. Go serve Jesus. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about the kingdom. It's about he will meet your needs as you meet other people's needs. Your success will come on a growing and progressive manner. It's not immediate. My last exhortation is stick in there. Could we stand up? Stick in there. Stay in there. Stay in the game. How many of you say, I'm staying in the game? I'm just going to keep walking with the Lord. This is our final statement, and we're going to say them all together. Would you repeat with me? Because I love my church, I will continue to show up, step up, and speak well of my church community. I will be a person of prayer, the word, and worship. I will be a person who is financially generous to God's house and his people. I don't stand on the sidelines, but participate wholeheartedly with my time and service. I will share my faith in Christ with others. I will eagerly live my life to please God and fulfill the mission of Jesus. Wow. How many of you say amen, Pastor Steve? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to pray this. I'm going to impute it. I'm just going to, so it's a statement prayer. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will grant you the strength to give energy every day. This is where we're moving. We're moving toward the mission of Jesus. We're not moving away. We want to be able to reach secular people, but that doesn't mean that we become secular. Jesus sat with sinners, but he didn't become one. We love people. We love broken people. But that doesn't mean that our standard at joy is lower. We still believe that you need to be married if you live in sexual relationship. We still believe that there's a separation of the sexes. We believe there's clear male and a clear female. And yes, we love every LGBTQ person there is. I don't hate any individual but I can tell you this, the further we get from the pattern of what God built, we're not getting better, we're getting worse, we're getting more frustrated. And so all I'm gonna tell you is while I live, I'm holding the standard high, I've got no other place to go. How about you? Just hold that standard high. Real quickly, if you'd close your eyes and bow your heart. This morning there was, oh, three or four different individuals that raised their hand and just said, hey, I, I, I need God. We teach around here that we join God. God's done everything to join us. He sent the Son. The Son laid his life down and his blood washed away our sins. Jesus rose from the dead as proof that the payment was received. And, and what you do is you just call on God's name. You just put your faith in Jesus and welcome the work of the Holy Spirit, which is to clean you up, change you, 
The Bible said if, any, if, if, if anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. You're a new person. You have to cooperate with the newness. It's kind of like walking in your sobriety. You learn to walk in the holiness that God grants you by salvation. And, and it's work to do that. But, it, but you're fully in. You're fully received as a child of God. You're fully on your way to heaven when you call on his name. He loves you. He wants you. He wants you. So right now, if, if I'd like everyone who came in this place saying, you know, I, I, I need to get it together. I, I need life. I want to be a child of God. I want to receive Jesus and become a follower of Jesus Christ. Raise your hands right now. All of you who came in this place and that's in your heart, you want to join God? I see a hand right here. Any other hands? Get your hands up, guys. This is a great thing to join God. Hallelujah. We all do it. We all do it. Okay, any last, any last individuals? Okay. Let's pray this prayer and, and invite Jesus in. Just feel free to pray this with me. Dear Father, I thank you that you've done everything that I could be a part of your family. You sent Jesus to live and to die for the, the uh, sins of the world, to take them away and buy back our freedom. I need freedom, God. I need to be saved. Save me from sin and darkness. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I'm calling today. Save me, God. You also said if I called on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame from my life. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand.